Over the last 80 days, I have come to see the truth that God so loves as never before. In fact, it has changed my way of thinking. Before this 80 days, I believed that God's dealings with man were intended to showcase his glory. And I believe that he created to show his glory, that he reveals his word, that he gives his word to show, to reveal his glory. I believe that he saves, that he offers salvation through Jesus to show, to reveal his glory. And I believe God's dealing with man were tied to his glory. Well, I'll tell you tonight, I've changed that line of thinking somewhat tonight. Today, I believe God's dealings with man are because of his love. And I believe that he creates because he is love. I believe that he gives us his word and he gives it to us in love, out of his love. And I believe for sure that he saves through the work of Jesus because of his great love. And I'll just tell you tonight, I truly believe that is the central theme of Scripture. I believe that is the central theme of the gospel. I believe that is the central theme of our faith. It is the great, unimaginable, marvelous, immeasurable love of God. And I believe it is this love of God that then reveals his glory. And so that's a little bit different way of thinking. I believe it's all about his love, and it's in seeing his love that it reveals to us the glory of God. You see, he could create and not love. It's not prerequisite that he would have to love us. He could sustain everything and not love. He could rule and not love. Many do that. He could even save, deliver, and not love. And there could be countless motivations behind that. But understand tonight, not needing to and not prompted to and at no benefit to himself, in fact, the opposite is true, at a great cost to himself, he so loves and that is the glory of God. And so tonight, I'll just tell you, on night 80, if you want to know God tonight, if you want to see him more clearly tonight, if you want to know him more deeply tonight, then tonight focus on his love. Look at his love. Tonight our message is entitled, Perfected in Unity, Perfected in Love. Perfected in unity, perfected in love. Tonight we're in John chapter 17. Tonight verses 20 through 23. John chapter 17. Tonight verses 20 through 23. Perfected in unity, perfected in love. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. John chapter 17 beginning in verse 20. Jesus is speaking here. He says this. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, 
that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come now. We're thankful, so thankful on this Monday night for a hope that stands, for an anchor that holds, for a truth that is solid and sure that remains tonight, for peace through Jesus, through the forgiveness of our sins, through the good news of the gospel of, of a death, burial, and resurrection, that through that we are saved. Lord, we come and we rejoice in you tonight. We praise you tonight. We pray as we've gathered on this night that you would speak to us and I come and I pray, Lord, as I have for 80 nights, I, I pray, Lord, that it wouldn't be normal, not, not, not this night, not, not 80. I pray that it wouldn't be normal. I pray it would be supernatural. I pray, Lord, that you would speak, that you would move. And I pray, Lord, that in the, in the midst of that, that we would see you through your word. Lord, I pray that the church would be encouraged, the church would be grown. I pray that the lost will be saved tonight in the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, we give it to you, we submit it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A few days ago, if you remember, I said, I believe that you could tell much about a person if you could hear them pray. If you could somehow eavesdrop and hear their sincere prayer, I believe that much would be revealed. Well, tonight we continue listening in on Jesus' prayer just before his crucifixion. I want you to notice something tonight. I think we should take note of something. In this prayer, soon before his arrest, soon before his humiliation, soon before his painful beating, soon before his terrible public death, Jesus prays, and notice this, absent in his prayer is anything about himself. Notice that tonight. He prays for the Father's glory. He prays that he can go through these events for the Father's glory. He prays for the disciples. He, he prays for their strengthening, for their encouragement, for their mission, for their protection. Today in our verses, he prays for the disciples that would follow them. And missing, if you notice in the 17th chapter, in the record of this prayer, missing is any petition, any prayer really for himself. He truly exists in love for the service of others, for the salvation of others, and for the glory of the Father. In this prayer, what a Savior we have. What a Savior we have. Well, tonight we continue, and I want you to be sure it is a blessing tonight. It is a privilege tonight to continue listening in to this prayer of our Lord. It is in his wisdom, it's in his blessing that we're able to listen to this prayer. And what a privilege it is for us tonight. We continue tonight going into verse 20. Let's begin. Jesus continues praying. He says this, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. In this previous section of the prayer, he has been praying for the disciples. He has been praying for the apostles. 
He has shown their importance to his mission, and he has prayed for those disciples. Well, now he says that he does not pray or he does not ask on behalf of these alone, for those disciples alone, but also for those who believe through their word. Very simply tonight, he prays for future believers. In our prayer tonight, that's what he's praying for. He prays for future disciples. Now, see his heart in that. Hours before the cross, he prays for us. I have to think about that. That, That's huge in magnitude. Hours before the cross of Calvary, Jesus prays for you. Do you know that? That's what we see here. Hours before the cross of Calvary, Jesus prays for you. Now, I want to break down the plan of Christ revealed in verse 20. We see his plan in just this 20th verse. I want to break it down. First thing we see in verse 20 is we see the mission. We see the mission. Understand tonight, the mission is that others would be saved that others will be saved. Now, in Scripture, we see that his heart is that all would be saved. We know he desires that all should be saved. Well, the mission is that other believers would follow. That is the mission of Jesus Christ, that other believers would follow. Be sure the purpose and the plan of Jesus is that these disciples would produce other disciples and that those disciples would produce other disciples, and that those disciples would go on to produce other disciples, and that those disciples, they would go on, and they would produce other disciples, and that we as disciples, we would produce other disciples still. In fact, that's what we see that he's praying for here in This section. Notice that it says over and over in this section that the world may know. That the world may know. His desire is that all would come to a saving knowledge, and his plan is that disciples would make other disciples that would make other disciples still. The mission is for disciples to produce disciples. Hear that tonight. That is our mission. That is your mission. Well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know at this age. I don't know. I'm too young. I'm too old. I don't don't know. I seem kind of limited. Listen, your mission, my mission, our mission is to produce other disciples. So that's the mission. The next thing we see in verse 20, the means, the means. In verse 20, Jesus says, who believe in me, those also who believe in me. Again, there's no uncertainty here how people are saved, how people are reconciled to God, how people have eternal life, how people become disciples is by believing in Jesus. That's what we see here. By faith in Jesus, it is the means. Listen, there is salvation in no one else. No other name has been given among men by which we must be saved. There is salvation in no other way. There is salvation in no other means than by faith in Jesus Christ. Not of good works, 
not of a list you're checking off, not of church membership. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. That is the means. The third thing we see is the method, is the method. And we've talked about several times how crazy the method seems, but here is the method. How does disciples make other disciples? How do disciples lead people to Jesus? Verse 20 says, believe in me through their word. That's what it says. How do they believe? They believe in me through their word. Word. Understand, it is in the proclamation of the good news of Jesus, it is in the speaking of the gospel of Jesus that people are saved and disciples are made. Do you know there's no other way? There's no other way. It is in the speaking, the proclaiming of the good news of the gospel of Jesus that people hear the gospel, that they receive the gospel, that they are saved and exist as disciples. Romans chapter 10 says, for faith comes by hearing. See this tonight. Had they not spoken, these apostles, had they not written it down, had they not carried the gospel forward. Now there's just 11 of them at this point, but had they said, you know what? This is too dangerous. You know what? We've got this settled. We got things to do. You know what? I I don't know if we can do this right now. Had they not carried the gospel forward, had these folks not carried the gospel forward, you'd be lost. I'd be lost. Had they, these few folks Had they not carried the gospel forward, we would be lost without Christ. Well, let me ask you a question. Well, what about those following us? Well, it's too dangerous. Well, I'm too busy. I've got some stuff I need to settle right now. What about those following us? The method is they are saved in the hearing of the gospel, and the method is that we would proclaim, speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you the problem is, the problem is we think proclamation always looks like this. Now, I'm glad that it does look like this. Folks are saved a lot of times in a setting like this, but proclamation most of the time is for a mom or a dad to tell the kid or for somebody to tell the grandkid or for somebody to go next door and tell the neighbor or for a coworker to be burdened over the lostness of a, of a person that works with them and tell them the good news. That is the method that we would proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus continues, verse 21. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Let me read verse 21 again. That's kind of complicated. Jesus continues that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus, see this. Jesus prays that they may be one. Now, the word one here translates a single unit. In the original language, it means something that has no pieces 
or no parts. It is a single unit. There's no pieces. There's no divisions. It is a single unit. Well, Jesus prays that they may be one. Now, what does that mean? Well, he explains it. He says, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. Well, what does it mean to be one? He explains it. This is the picture. Even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. See this, in receiving Christ, with our sins forgiven, with our sins removed, with our relationship with the Holy God repaired, Scripture says we are in Christ. Scripture tells us He is in us. We are unified with Christ. We are unified with God. Now, the example here, the picture here is of the Trinity. You want to know what the Trinity looks like? Here's the picture. Jesus is an individual. God the Father, He is an individual. We know the Holy Spirit, He is an individual as well. And yet they are one is what Jesus says. They are unified. That is our example. Well, we have unity with God through Jesus. Now, could this be talking about unity with other believers? It could in the sense that we are unified in Christ. We are each unified with, with God. And so collectively, the Bible says we are one spirit as believers. We are one. Now listen, it's not talking about one unit like this, but it's talking about our unification in our relationship with God. And so Jesus says here, we are unified. He is in us. We're in him with God. Now, Jesus says, the goal is so that the world may believe that you sent me. Now, he's praying to the Father. Now, I want to tell you a couple things right here just in this statement. A couple things. The first is this. The goal is that the world, that's what he says, the world would see and in seeing that they would be saved. Now, this is just one more case. We can pull out a lot of verses, and it looks like we're reinforcing the case, but here's the deal. God wants all people to be saved, not a limited few, not some over here, but not some others over here. He wants all the world to see and all the world in seeing to be saved. Now, that's the first thing. The second thing is this. It is in seeing people unified with God obeying God, living for God, existing for the glory of God, literally one with God, that the world may believe the truth of Jesus. Let me tell you something. You see, that only happens in Jesus. That only happens in Jesus. We are enemies of God. We are at enmity with God. We are existing in opposition to God apart from our Savior, Jesus Christ. We can only be one with God through Jesus. And so when we are one with God, he's saying it testifies to Jesus. Verse 22. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, 
that they may be one just as we are one. Now, what is this glory? The glory that the Father gave to Jesus that he gives to us. What is that glory? What is this glory that makes us unified with God and in that unified with other believers? Now, let me tell you, there's lots of speculation about that. There are lots of ideas that are proposed. And folks say, well, that glory is this or that glory represents this. And there's a lot, of, a lot of speculation about what this glory is that God has given to the Son that the Son has given to us. Well, listen very carefully. Stay with me. I believe we find the answer in the prayer itself. You see, remember in the very first five verses of this prayer, Jesus says, now listen to the words, Father, glorify me that I may glorify you. Now, remember that was talking about the cross and the resurrection. The Father will glorify the Son as he comforts the Son in agony, as he sustains the Son in suffering, as he receives the penalty for sin as paid, and as he raises him from the dead. And so Jesus says that glory was his, the glory of the, the cross, and now it is ours. Now listen, do you get that? As believers, our glory is in the cross. As believers of Jesus Christ, our glory is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Listen to me. Friends, our message as believers is the cross of Calvary. Our hope is in the cross of Calvary. Our difference, you know what makes us different? It is the cross of Calvary. Our fame, our glory as believers is the cross, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through that cross, we are unified, we are made at peace with God, and listen, if we're to hold up anything, if we're to speak of anything, if we're to glory in anything, it is the cross of Jesus. Praise the Lord for the cross. I love that verse. The glory which you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity. Great verse. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Every word of that's important. Jesus says, I in them. We're saved. He is in us. You in me, that they may be perfected. The word perfected in the original language translates completed, fulfilled, established that they may be completed, they might be perfected in unity. Again, when we are saved, we are rebellious, sinful, prideful sinners reconciled to a righteous God that we sinned against. 
We are unified with God. We are perfected, completed in that reconciliation with God. So that the world, notice this, again the world may know that you sent me. Listen very carefully. The only way to have peace and I'm talking about peace with God, and from that peace with others and peace in your heart is through Jesus. And our oneness with God, our peace with God is the evidence of the power and the grace and the mercy and the salvation of Jesus. Listen to me. The oneness that we have with God is like a monument that stands. It is like a loudspeaker that blasts. It is like a sharp declaration to the glory of God through the work of Jesus. Now it's not done that the world may know that you loved them even as you have loved me. I want you to see this. It gets even better. The unity with God, the oneness with God, the peace that we have with God through the forgiveness of our sin not only testifies to the power of Jesus, it is also like a monument that stands. It is like a loudspeaker that blasts. It is like a sharp declaration. It is like a flag that is waving. It is like a horn that is blowing to the glory of God, exalting the love of Jesus. That's what the verse says. Listen very carefully. And so when you remember the cross, and when you survey the fruit of the cross that we are reconciled with a holy God, when you see sinners that are reconciled to that God, you will know God so loves you. It's a testimony. We are so loved. Wow. You are so loved. I want you to notice one last thing. The verse ends, and it says, even as you have loved me, that you have loved them even as you have loved me. How great is the Father's love? How much does he love us? How much does he love you? Jesus says, in the same way, even as it's the same measure. Let me ask you a question tonight. Does the Father really love you that much? Does He love you as much as His Son, His only begotten Son? Does He? Does He love you that much? Does He love me that much? Is that just a good idea to hold on to? Is that just some religious thought we like to say? Does God, does He know you? Does He know me? Does he really love you as much as his precious son? Does he really love you that much? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen to me tonight. It is exactly as much. He gave his son in love for you. Listen to me. You are so loved. What a Savior. What a God. What love. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we come and we praise you tonight. We thank you tonight. We are astounded tonight. We see these verses and we've passed over them a million times, maybe misunderstood them most of the time. But we come tonight and I see in these verses the fruit of the gospel, that we're reconciled to a perfect, holy, righteous God in Jesus. That we're unified, that Christ is in us, that we're in him, no work of our own, but in Christ. And I, 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 I see in that once again that you tell us it is a testimony, a herald, a flag, a monument to your great love. Lord, I'm thankful that you so love. I praise you that you so love. Your greatest glory, Lord, is that you didn't need to at the cost of yourself. You so love. Lord, we worship you tonight. We worship you tonight, the God that so loves. Lord, I pray as we, as we close out this service, I pray for two things, Lord. I pray for somebody that's steeped in their sin tonight, that thinks they're far beyond the love of God, that thinks they've burned all the bridges they've traveled too far, that their sin's too great. Maybe they've been rejected so many times they think they're unlovable. I pray the fruit of this night is, Lord, they would hear and their ears would, would perk up and their hearts would stand up and they would hear that God so loves them that he gave his only begotten son, that by simple faith, trust in him, they don't have to perish. They don't have to carry that sin any further, any longer. That by faith in, in him, in Jesus, that you'll save them. Lord, I, I pray that that resonates tonight. I pray for some in this room that it resonates tonight. I pray for many listening in some of the means that it resonates tonight. And that folks that thought they were unlovable found the love of a risen Savior, Jesus, tonight, this very night. Lord, and then I pray for the rest of us. I pray for those that have trusted you. I pray, Lord, that we would see just a glimpse of how great your love is. I pray, Lord, that it would motivate us. I pray that it would encourage us. I pray that it would strengthen us. I pray, Lord, that it would build our resolve. And I pray that we would well up as a people, not with some great duty that we got to push into, but with a great love that we've received. And we would want a lost and dying world to know our Savior's love. Lord, let it be our motivation as well. We come and we thank you for these words, for these verses, for this night, for this opportunity. We lay it out before you. We ask that you move, that you would speak. And I pray that your glory be known in every bit of it. We trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, if there was ever anything to respond to, it's the love of our Savior. It's the love of our Savior. Listen, I want to tell you, our, our Savior loves you. He sees you. He knows you. He knows the hurt of your, of your heart. He knows the pain of your sin. He knows the shame you carry, and he loves you. Bible says he loves us so much he came and he carried our sin, your sin and mine. He paid for it in the cross of Calvary. It is a finished fact. He settled it in the cross of Calvary. Bible says if we'll trust him as our Savior, as the remedy for our sin, we shall be saved. If there was ever anything to respond to, it's the love of our Savior. Tonight, you can trust him. Tonight, you can receive him also in love because he first loved us. And I would encourage you tonight on this very night to turn and say, Jesus Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And tonight, the best I know how, I'm going to follow you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart and save me. Receive him tonight. Receive his love. Receive him in love tonight. He'll save you tonight. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision, but you've never fought in believers' baptism. I want to give you an opportunity as well for that testimony to stand. You come as well. 
We'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration. We'll testify to Jesus. Maybe you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll serve our loving Savior until he comes again. Maybe on this Monday night you want to pray at an altar. Maybe you want to pray with me. Maybe you want to pray for this effort. 20 nights left that God would take it and that his love, our loving Savior, be known in these 20 nights. Maybe you want to come and pray for that tonight. I'm going to ask as we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here. You come on. I'll meet you here.